Hi, everyone. I'm Kara Scott, and welcome to The Heart of Poker, sponsored by 888-POKER, a podcast that looks into the personal side of the poker personalities we often see on our screens. I use a list of questions modified from the 36 Questions to Fall in Love study developed about 25 years ago by psychologists as part of an experiment to see if they could make total strangers fall in love with a kind of shortcut for getting to know someone on a deeper level fast. Now, my guest this time is a special one. I first learned about the world of poker podcasting about 15 years ago when my very good friend and poker coach, Nick Welthall, asked if I'd be interested in having a go at doing one together. So On the Rail was born and a friendship was cemented. Nick is a longtime poker player, commentator, sports broadcaster, business coach, and all around funny man. You'll know his voice most recently from the 8 to 8 poker commentary streams, but he has worked on all of the best poker broadcasting and some of the worst also with me. He's not just a poker OG, but on a personal level, he's actually one of my very best friends. I married him, actually, or rather, I married him to his amazing wife, the dude married up. And now it's time for me to stop talking so he can get a word in edgewise. This should be fun. Welcome, Nick Welthall. Hello, Kara. <laughs> Hello. I'm very, exci- I'm very excited to be here. Uh, also slightly worried that we're going to, uh, th- this is to make me fall in love with you, but you are my <laughs> vicar. <laughs> Don't fall in love with a vicar. Oh, it's exactly. like a movie. It's like a, it's a fantastic rom-com, <laughs> but then you decide, you realize that you're just nervous about getting married and that you love your wife and so then it's all good. Right. Yeah. That's how it goes. I, I, I definitely, that's not my life plan. If we're going to talk about <laughs> my life plan, fall in love with vicar. <laughs> No, I mean, <laughs> if you. we were ever going to fall you. in love, we would have done that. I mean, you, a very long time ago. We 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 had the chance. We and, did, uh, and we both went. Of, oh no! <laughs> it sort of anti happened. It did. Nick looks at me like I I know this. You would like shudder at the idea of having no, to be saddled with me. <laughs> come on! Imagine That's if we had to fair. travel together for the rest of your life. I. Imagine. Yeah. No, the thing is, the thing is, listeners need to know that um, we did travel together quite a lot when we were we did. working on the same poker tours and that kind of thing. And Kara has a complete <laughs> inability to track her personal possessions, <laughs> including including her passport, oh, yeah. her ticket, when we used to have tickets. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's there have been stressful. so many times where I have literally dumped out an entire purse full of belongings onto a hotel floor to find my key to get into my room while Nick had to wait for me to do so because he's a gentleman and he would always make sure I got back to my room or onto a train platform or, oh yeah, in the airplane. Uh, that's, that's fun. Uh, it got to the you- point where Nick <laughs> actually started inviting people to come with us on trips so they could sit between us. <laughs> that's actually true yeah it is actually true <laughs> it's actually true uh, yeah good times there's, there's good been times. a lot of upsides though i don't like come on there's there's always a trade-off with any personal relationship isn't totally there? and um yeah we had uh we had an enormous amount we were very very lucky and i remember saying to you at the time as well yeah. uh that we uh we got our start working on a uh cable poker show in the uk <laughs> and the great thing about it was there were a lot of great things about it yeah uh, it was, I can't remember if it was four or five hours long. It was very long. It was. And we had like um, a five minute break between each hour and that was literally it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So from a broadcasting point of view, it was an amazing um, <gasps> learning curve because you had yeah. to fill the time. That, and, and and we were just watching quite non-consequential online poker games. Yeah. 
So it was quite a challenge to fill the time. <laughs> uh, we didn't always stay on topic, for, in fairness. Um, <laughs> we won't today. <laughs> and we didn't do every single show sober either. As uh, I um, yeah, I mean, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Unfortunately, it was a great way to learn how to think on your feet when under yes. adverse conditions. Yes. So, yeah. Well, it Which was the adverse conditions were all, and it was live, were that we would go out and have an amazing meal beforehand with some <laughs> gin. <laughs> and then we would do four hours of live television. And exactly. uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. It was really good fun. I mean, it, it it was, and it was when, um, which which we'll probably reference in this show in different ways. It's when poker was young yeah. in the world, and we were and kind it, of. Yeah, well, we had a lot. We had all our own hair <laughs> back then. Um, poker was young in the world, and it was it was yeah. it still had a lot of mysticism around it. Mm -hmm. um, to my mind, anyway, there was a lot yeah. of intrigue, which doesn't exist in the same way anymore. Um, mm. So, which is kind of a shame, but that's the way it goes. Uh, yeah. But but we were in a very good place at a good time, and and we definitely got lucky both with meeting each other, uh, right. and also with being able to have a career in something that's a a game. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Now you taught me my very first hand of Texas Hold'em. I had played other forms of poker, but only when I was a kid, and not ever seriously. And so you literally, in terms of like poker coaching, you coached me through my first and second World Series main event runs. Um, you <laughs> taught me my first hand of it. And then you taught me how to play poker on live television as I was playing online uh, on a delay. We'd watch it back at like a half an hour delay. And I would, we would open up the floor to emails <laughs> from the viewers <laughs> to comment on how I was doing. So yeah, it was like, it was a pretty intense period of time, but I would not change it for the world. I would love to just dive back into it just briefly because it was a, a incredibly good fun. Yeah, it was incredibly good fun. And um, uh, you were thrown under the bus in terms of, it was like a present, <laughs> it was a presenting job. Yeah, for sure. And right. I was already so was a, a presenter. Yeah, so that was, was my a job. job. Where you had to do the thing. Yeah. So it's like getting hired. It'd be like getting hired to cover, I don't know, um, you know, any sport. Yeah. But then halfway through, you have to go on the pitch <laughs> and open and up the floor the to comments then, yeah. <laughs> from everybody. <laughs> um, so I guess the concept was that you were on a poker journey. Um, yes. Yeah. But the reality was that it was just a way for people that probably weren't very good at poker to shout at you. Yeah, <laughs> and they did, but mostly, to be honest, mostly people were very kind. They were. Um, I did get some shouting and whatnot, but mostly everybody, I think, really bought into that idea of me as the poker novice, kind of learning along with a lot of other people, and some of the like diehard viewers that we had are still people I'm in touch with today, mm. like. I still have like a long running uh, DM conversation with with Pam, who was one of our like longtime viewers. And it's funny, isn't we, it? Like it just it made such well, a we, massive difference in our lives. Absolutely, it did. Um, mm. And we had a uh, a community, which is something that tends to yeah. characterize poker generally. Mm. Um, poker has never been so big that it hasn't had. I suppose everything has communities, but poker particularly does. Um, yeah. Sometimes those can be healthy and sometimes they can be unhealthy, but uh, we definitely had a really great community. And we also had viewers that went on to be poker pros. Yes, um, and like extremely successful poker pros. Well, I know Stephen Chidwick is the 
is the oh, one that yeah. always springs to mind. But yeah, there, there have been others as well. So um, yeah, we were Fine. very, very lucky. And as I told you at the time, you know, we you'll never get that amount of freedom yeah. to just talk absolute chutney for four <laughs> hours. <laughs> Again. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it is true. I learned a lot and it was great fun. And then, yeah, we became such good friends that I was your vicar. Amazing. You were my vicar. You I married me. I and, did. And I know that apparently you're going to ask me questions about mm. things, but um, just to get a punch in first, that's what it's about, right? <laughs> Getting punches in. Of course, in. yes. I think the most nervous I've ever seen you is before being my vicar. And I've oh, seen you I'm before so going on live national TV. Yeah. Yeah. So is that true? We we because you seemed. Oh my god! Yes. I didn't recognize you. You were like super nervous. I was a little bit terrified because I mean, if I you know screw up on live television, I'm screwing up my own career. It's just what it is. But you were literally <laughs> getting married. You know, like this is something you <laughs> guys entrusted it's me. It's a bit of a one shot deal. Yeah. Oh. No, you know, no pressure there. And I think part of the reason I was so nervous is, well, thankfully, you guys had a really good um, rehearsal the day before. Love a good rehearsal. Mm -hmm. I have never had a good rehearsal. Every single rehearsal I have ever done has been terrible. And I kind of expect it. But the rehearsal for your wedding was so bad that because um, you got married on top of like a mountain kind of thing out yes. in the open, you know, Malta wind is blowing. I thought mm -hmm. I was wearing an appropriate dress. I was not. And at one <laughs> point I had my back to your, to be father-in-law and mm. he got an unbelievable view of, of my underpants as my dress Vicar. flew up over my head. <laughs> it was Vicar so embarrassing. Seriously. No, no, one, no one ordered a Vicar Pancho. But thankfully, I did change my dress for the next day. So, you know, uh -huh. at least I knew. But I was Good really nervous tip. about it. So, yeah. so let me ask you a question. How, because sure. this, this will be of value to everybody listening. Mm. How, do you, how do you handle nerves when you're doing a uh, live broadcast? Because everybody <laughs> struggles with, you know, talking in front of a group or talking to an audience. And mm. probably they won't have to do live TV. But how do you, do you have like a process or, or not? <laughs> I do. I mean, I, uh, I got to a point for a little while where I was really worried about, um, yeah, just failing on live broadcast TV when, especially when we were doing ESPN and I was doing some like big numbers of people were watching. I knew that I didn't have an auto cue or a prompter. And so I'd have to like write these 45 to maybe a minute and a half long segments and then just do them by memory and just, wow. you know, live and it was terrifying and i did that for years what? until we were finally like why don't we have an auto cue <laughs> why didn't you have an auto cue That's i don't mad. know i don't and so know and so how did you how do you handle the nerves well i spoke to a, a coach about it um and uh we went through this whole thing where they were like you know nerves and anxiety a lot of the time has the same physical response as excitement like a lot mm -hmm. of the same things are happening internally and part of it is about focusing on that and trying to see yourself as excited about something. You get to do something rather than you're terrified of something happening. So focusing mm -hmm. on the excitement of actually, because I love my job. Like I, I know you know that it's just, it's so much fun to be doing live television and I get a massive rush out of it. So I kind of focused on that and that really helped. Um, but yeah, I, it's funny because you can't stop interviewing people because this is my podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But, I'm, always, I'm, I'm more curious than other people than like, I've I lived know. a number of years with me. I, I yeah. don't have any. <laughs> yeah, yes. 
<laughs> you know you pretty well at this point. I know, you pretty, know well. you pretty I like, well. I like that tip though, because basically you're turning it into an opportunity. So you're turning yeah. it from, you're asking not what could go wrong, but you're asking your brain to think, well, what do I actually gain from this? What is there to be excited about? Totally. Um, which is always my tip. And then my other tip for those that care is mm, yes. um, uh, try and get your focus outward. So mm. ask how can I benefit my audience? So that will be a different answer Ooh. depending on what you're doing. It might be to educate, it might be to inform, it might be to entertain, um, it might be to share. But yeah. if you think about it from the audience's point of view, you can't think deeply about yourself and someone else at the same time. It's huh. impossible. And nerves is you thinking deeply about yourself. Yes. Oh, that's Whereas a really good tip. if you start thinking tip. about the people you're talking to and how mm. they'll experience it and what you can give them, mm. It's not a panacea, but it definitely lessens the nerves and, and gets you thinking actively about the audience. Yeah, but it's also a really good way to live your life. I mean, if that's a mm. practice that you have in terms of your career, you know, whatever yes. that might be, but living it yes. as a way of life is, I mean, do you, do you perform that? Do you practice that in your own personal life with people? Um, I'd love to just say a blanket. Yes. I'm not, mm. I'm not, a, I'm not a, a, an empath. Uh, do you remember the Star <laughs> Trek character? Is, what's her name? Deanna. Yes, Deanna Troy. <laughs> Deanna Do Troy. I. You just come on and go. I sense they're afraid. Yeah, you, you've got a star destroyer <laughs> pointing guns at them. Um, whatever it is. <laughs> well done. Um, so I'd like to say yes, but but obviously I have as much selfish impulse as the next person. But mm. I do use that device regularly, and I and well, as you know, Kara, I've ended up in uh, training businesses, and mm -hmm. I do get so the selfish reward for training businesses is that feeling of doing something to benefit other people but also my a lot of my working life now has been about either entertaining or trying to inform yeah other people so it, it is a decent percentage of how i think mm -hmm. and if you can enjoy that and i think that for me was part of it not just like thinking about um you know turning it into an opportunity but also literally enjoying the feeling of the nerves Yes. I think that was for me really important to kind of go, actually, I like this feeling. I like the mm -hmm. excitement. I like the little flutter. I'm not afraid of it. So, yeah. Well, it means you're doing something worthwhile as well. Yeah. Because you don't get nervous about things that you either mm. don't care about or have no consequence. Mm. Like, why would you, you are get someone, nervous about something You're like someone that? that I think has always kind of pushed themselves in terms of their career, especially. I mean, you don't really sit on your laurels. You used to ask me like, what's your, what's your plan? Where do you want to get to? What do you want to do? And I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> and we were very different in those respects. <laughs> I suspect yeah, so we wait, still are. How, how did you end up hosting the World Series of Poker? I have no and idea. I, I, I just was watching. How did that work? Well, actually it's because of something you told me. You were oh, like, God. I know you should have done it yourself. <laughs> should have done it myself. Idiot. <laughs> because I have a Canadian voice, so I sound American. Um, ah. And you simply don't, I'm afraid. And that mm. is unfortunate for you, but very lucky for me. And you were actually pushing me to say one year, like, what do you want to do next? You don't want to just stay in the job that we're both in. Like, you don't. You know that. What do you want to do next? And it pushed mm. me to reach out to Maury Eskandani, who was the producer, is the producer of the World Series of Poker and kind of beg for a job and get a trial run with him. So, you know, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. You're, You're pretty welcome. good I mean, at coaching I... people. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, I, think, I think most of the time people know what they want to do, mm -hmm. but um, you, you, have to, you have to have intent 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's not enough just to have ideas or, or aspiration. You have to have yeah. intent and it has to be followed up by action. Yeah. And people try and think their way through what they want to do and they don't mm-hmm. actually just, you know, yeah. jump in. Lists are all well and good, but if you're not ticking them off, <laughs> like... Exactly. Not so great. Yeah, if you're, if you're writing create to-do list on your to-do list, then, you know, you might you might need to, <laughs> you might need to take a bit more action. <laughs> I don't know, because that's a really good first one, because then you can take it off you take and it you can off. feel like you've done something. And I, yes. I enjoy that feeling. Progress, um, yes. Oh, so what do you think it is about you, like your character, or the way that you grew up maybe that drives you towards success? Because you have been very successful in multiple arenas. Um. Thanks for saying that. Uh, I've been I've been decently successful. I think I'd have been more successful if I'd only had one arena. Yeah, um, of course. I don't, I don't think I'm certain I would have, but I would have enjoyed it a lot less. Definitely. Um, and so, what has driven me to be successful? Um, I think just uh, wanting to take opportunities and having a tremendous uh, desire not to be bored. Yeah. Um, <laughs> honestly i wish i had yeah. something more you know and and i've never quite so a lot of so i people may or may not know i've done a few different things i was a comedy writer and i had you know poker broadcasting career and i've had a couple of businesses is, is the main things i've done um and all of those somebody has brought up the issue of competition mm-hmm. as in there are a lot of people who want to do that um, and make that successful. Mm-hmm. And I've always not understood that impulse. I, huh. I've never thought, I, I've always thought the other way around, which is if other people are doing it. Why can't I do it? Mm-hmm. Has always been my kind of impulse. And I think, uh, I don't want to descend into cliche, but I think that that most of us can achieve a decent amount of what we want. Right. Um, because talent is massively overrated in our culture. Mm. And, and development and learning and, you know, improvement are, are sort of massively underrated. And I, I almost think it's an insult when people say other people are talented. Yeah. Not, it's sort of, it's sort of hand-waving away their, their work and application, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, yeah. And, I always and there say- are something, go on. As I was going to say, I always say that for like professional poker players, people always ask what's the difference between like a top pro and someone who just plays recreationally. And it's the amount of hard work they do. <laughs> like they might sure. have an amazing brain for numbers. Yes, absolutely. But they're doing an enormous amount of work. And that's so important. So important. And I just think talent is completely uninteresting because you it, let's say talent is a thing. So you have a natural disposition for certain activities and, mm. and and we can agree that's true. So, so some people are amazing at dunking a basketball. Some people are amazing at talking off the cuff, uh, whatever your, you know, your genetics plus your childhood development and all that stuff. But these are things you had no control over. Yeah. And the people that are superstars at things are not interesting. And this is the big quarrel I have with our culture. It, it holds up the people that are superstars at things as interesting and they're not because in the main, they are outliers. Mm. So we can't learn from them. We can enjoy them, but that's not the same as them being interesting to mm. me. I'm more interested in, okay, somebody had a base level of ability, which maybe 50% of people had for this thing. 
and then they applied themselves and learned from great teachers and got great shortcuts yeah. and worked relentlessly and took their opportunities and all of this stuff and then they ended up being successful i've genuinely i can say i've always found that more interesting yeah um, than than people that are the freaks and the outliers who 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 i enjoy like everybody else you know great sportsmen and great poker players and all of that but, but you don't want to watch a movie about their life <laughs> no that's no, the thing. You, you want to watch the interesting story. You want to watch something that has right. like a plot to it where there was work that had to be done. Absolutely that. Mm. Um, now, the other part of your question, the yes. drive part, I cannot, I have, I, I, I think I'm going to be fascinated by this forever. I cannot explain drive. Mm. I think it's, I, I don't think it's explicable. So my father-in-law came from, relative poverty in Malta, not poverty, but you know, not had no, was not born with money or connections or anything like right. that. He had a lot huh. of siblings. He had a lot of siblings. I can never remember how many. Of his siblings, he had absolutely unquenchable drive and he got to the top of the casino business. So yeah. he, he was a, a casino director. He ran some of the biggest casinos, um, in, uh, in the world. He made a lot of money for casino owners. He made a lot of money for himself. Uh, and he always had, and he he said to me, as long as I remembered, I always wanted to earn the most money and be the best at what I did. Huh. And he had that drive, but his siblings did not. Right. So the same upbringing, the same genetic sample. Yeah. And then there's this thing which you call drive to be successful, which I mm. absolutely think exists. And I, I definitely have some of that. Um, but I can't explain it. I can't explain why why people yeah. have more than not. So I, I find it a fascinating topic because I don't have an answer. Right. Yeah, that's interesting because you're right. People with siblings, especially lots of them, I mean, you would think that they would be very similar, but there are so many ways we see that people are not. They have completely different approaches to life so they huh, do yeah interesting and, and i also don't like when it's explained away with trauma i don't agree with that either because right there's, there's, there's it's people kind of that, an easy thing for people to easy. say and i think it's so correct. boring <laughs> correct correct seriously and because again there's people who have had tremendous difficulties in their life that have produced drive to be successful and there's people that have had tremendous difficulties in their life that has not produced drive exactly to be successful. yeah so that can't be the answer no i don't think so one of your okay. guests will have the answer. Report back to me. Maybe. I will. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of friendship, let's kind of move on to talking about friendship. What do you value most? I mean, um, me, obviously. The, 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 abil um, the, the ability to get me jobs, really. Um, <laughs> see my friends as tools. Um, what do I value um, you have some amazing uh, friends. Like this is something I've always <laughs> known about you. You have friends from, you know, your school days that you've had for lifelong friends. And these are all really interesting, funny <laughs> mm. and creative people. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they definitely, they definitely, definitely funny. I mean, like being funny or making me laugh um, and especially self-deprecatingly funny is, is, completely essential <laughs> people probably say stuff like loyalty at this point don't they and trust and things like that generally <laughs> I just, I just, let them be just, funny <laughs> just crack me up and i'll do anything for you i'm, I'm, a, I'm a laughter slut <laughs> um uh so yeah funny um i mean obviously loyalty uh 
But you kind I, of, I that's kind of a given, isn't it? It's it like, is. Oh, they're not a friend, are they? <laughs> right. Exactly. I think we have such um, a low bar for friendship in the world. It, especially considering like the parasocial relationships that people make online. And I think our bar for what makes someone a friend is a lot lower than it used to be, maybe. Like even colleagues, you mm. know, we call everybody a friend. So loyalty so, should be a given. Yeah, I think... Um, uh, I'm going to say something nice about you in a minute. I know that's Ooh. the reason you asked the question, but yeah, well, um, yeah. it's, it's coming. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think my wife actually introduced me to the concept of friend for a reason, friend, friend for a season, friend for life. Nice. And I do think there are, should be, there are different types of friends in your life and that's totally yes. fine. And you get different things from different people and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you are an amazing friend. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember the time that you stopped everything in your life and got on a plane to come and see me because I was undergoing a very difficult time mm-hmm. years ago. I mean, that's, you know, it's like, what is a, a friend is a supporter, aren't they? And the yeah. definition of a supporter is somebody that's there when things are bad, not just there when things are good. Yeah, um, damn right. I did scoop so you up and take you with me to the south of France. So it's not like it was a hardship. Yeah, but You did. You did. <laughs> your, your partner at the time was thrilled, I'm sure. <laughs> I think he loved that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I think hmm. you know, have you been through hard times with that person? Which is also a good test of a partner as well. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, we're all we're all amazing friends and amazing lovers and amazing partners when when it's the good times, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, f- funny and loyalty. That's my nice. Answer. Huh. So. You you don't strike me as the kind of person who has like big embarrassing moments. Are you the sort of person who plays it over and over again in your head or who just forgets about something that goes wrong and kind of moves on quickly? I feel like you're the second, but this is the question. Uh, I, um, uh, I feel this is probably not quite the uh, question, but I feel uh, the things that go over and over in my head are when I feel like, I've made someone else feel bad. Oh, yeah, of course. Which I'm sure everybody does. Well, I don't... not everybody. You're kind of a oh, softie. Okay. So, and yeah, in a I good am, way. Yeah. You are. No, I am. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Um, I'm not. Uh, no, I don't, I don't really get embarrassed. No, ever. Thankfully. <laughs> I mean, I have, I have plowed some stuff in my oh, time, Kara. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Especially. <laughs> I think, I think when you, when you do what we do, which is you, you do stuff on camera and you do stuff live and you do stuff that the world sees, I think you get over that or you quit. Yeah. Because you're not going to get things right all the time. And no, and if you and need to get things right all the time, you're not going to be good at what you do. Because you, we've got to no. be able to push past where it's comfortable. <laughs> that's so where the t- jokes actually, are. <laughs> that's, that is where the jokes are. You've got to be able to laugh at yourself yeah. if you're going to do anything in public. You can't. You can't take... It is the cliche, I'm afraid. You take the work seriously, but you can't take yourself seriously. Because first of all, you're going to do embarrassing things. Mm -hmm. Second of all, you're going to mess up. And third of all, a decent percentage of the people that see what you do are going to hate you. Yeah. That that is non-negotiable. A decent percentage who who see what you do are going to think you're a dick. Yeah. They're going to think you're, and they're going to hate you. And it doesn't matter who you are. And if you want to test this theory, pick one of the most popular people in the world and go and Google them. Or, yeah. or, or search for them to you will see uh irrational hate towards them it's just a function of being in front of people and it's their own agendas so i don't get embarrassed about that stuff i did get embarrassed for one of the very few times on a broadcast only three or four weeks ago because 
my co-host wasn't you, obviously. My co-host started complimenting me in a really oh, no. genuine, authentic way. Oh no, <laughs> that, that's that, the worst. Honestly, that <laughs> probably embarrassed me. Doing? I didn't know what to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. So that was yeah, you're not very good with that, especially when put on the spot. So no. I mean, you started this interview by asking me a question. So uh. yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, this is an interesting question because it's okay. kind of open-ended and you can take it in whichever direction you want. It says, what roles do love and affection play in your life? Because hmm. hmm. I think from the outside, because you're a very funny person and yes. I'm not saying that you use humor to deflect at all <laughs> from anything, but you are also a very affectionate person. You're a very loving person. I think your friends and your family do know that about you. Like if we did, need did something. We not just, did we not just speak about embarrassing me? Well, it just kind of made it so much more fun to do right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, this isn't on video, so you're I can kind, get away with it. You're kind, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're generous. Big, soft, lovable. Love you. Um, but yeah, so what roles do love and affection play in your life? Uh, very, I mean, very central. You know, I was, yeah. I was lucky to be brought up by a very loving mother. Yeah. And so I do, you know, I do value it. Um, I'm not like a lot of people i'm not amazing at outward expressions of it mm -hmm. in certainly you know in public yeah um i think hmm. there's a time and a place isn't there part of me part of <laughs> me is definitely a victorian english man <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, true. you know so so like i proposed to my wife in private like the idea of proposing in public makes me oh. want to be ill awful you know that 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 kind of vibe and i think so I think love and affection is is you know a big part of it's a big part of me and it, it runs it runs deep I'm sure it does with everybody yeah. I I definitely don't feel a need to outwardly express it in front of other people <laughs> How embarrassing I, I probably I think unseemly just, you've got you've got me thinking now I'm probably quite bad at vocalizing it with my family and friends mm -hmm. i'm quite i'm good at it with my wife but probably could be better with my family and friends right i mean i hope they i hope they know and i am a bit aristotelist about it in that i do believe that there's no character any plot so your huh. your actions are what define you so yeah. i hope that from my actions people know that uh love and affection are a big part of how i view the world yeah. i hope that anyway that's my aspiration that's what i hope well as one of the friends in the friends and family group. I would say that you. we do. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks, Karen. Because we can see how well you treat your wife. So we understand you probably like us too. So yeah, I mean, she does, part, she does make me, but yes, mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, okay. Moving on. Um, have you ever okay. been genuinely terrified or what's your biggest fear? Uh, my biggest fear is dementia. Mm. Um, my biggest fear is losing my mind, but without a close second. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, to the ultimate expression of that fear is that knowledge that I'm losing my mind. Ah. Uh, so, you know, like with, um, with those conditions, you're, you're aware that you're forgetting things at the start. So actually losing your mind is fine if it was overnight, because obviously it doesn't make any difference to you, does it? You've lost right. your mind, but the awareness that it's either going to happen or happening is my biggest fear. Definitely. Yeah. 
Um, have I been genuinely terrified? I mean, um, uh, I was quite terrified when on my uh, gap year, um, I was uh, camping in Africa. And one of the things that you learn when you go to Africa is that the most dangerous world animal to humans is is not the one you think. The most dangerous world animal to humans is is the hippo. Oh, yeah. Because, because hippos are incredibly protective of their young. And they have teeth that are bigger than your fist that can that can bite you in two in one bite. Mm-hmm. They have these unbelievable jaws, and they can run faster than a person as well, oh, which you wouldn't that's terrifying. think. So it's terrifying. So all of the like the big cats, like obviously a lion could kill you, but they're not going to go after you unless they're very old and all of this stuff. So so when you go there and you're sort of messing about, um, wandering around in Africa, this is what you hear. You hear you know snakes and hippos, snakes and hippos, snakes and hippos. <laughs> So, so you're scared of hippos. So me and James, my my backpacking buddy, were camping. Um, and it was on a campsite, but the campsite was by a lake. And what happens with hippos is they're decently nocturnal. They sleep in the water, I think, at night. And then they come up to feed in the evening. Hmm. So we're lying there in our tent. Um, we're, we're sort of about to go to sleep. And you can hear them feeding. And, <laughs> and <laughs> it, it gets closer and closer. Oh. And I go... James, I feel like they're in the campsite. Are oh. they in the campsite, Jim? And he goes, I think they are in the campsite. And then <laughs> there's a bit of moonlight through one wall in the tent. And the bit of moonlight starts to get obscured by oh, what no. is obviously a very close hippopotamus. <gasps> and you have to remember the context is, I've been told to be terrified of hippopotamus. And now there's one three yards away from me and you can oh, hear it eating. And all I'm thinking is, those teeth are doing a very good job of mashing up that grass. I bet they do an excellent job on my ribs. And they're getting closer and closer. And then they're pushing in the side of the tent. (gasps) So his body, the hippos, his or hers, or or, or I don't know what hippo genus is, but they're they're pushing in the side of my tent. And I'm I'm basically on top of James at this point (laughs) (laughs) because it's a very small tent. And he's like, can you get off me? And I go, where am I supposed to go? There's a hippo in the tent. Uh, so that I was pretty terrified. I think a bit of we came out during that. No, like I imagine that. it did. What happened? Did it just go away? And then you had it, it to like officially get after, off. It moved him? away after about six or seven minutes. <laughs> oh, me, man. Oh, me man. being squashed against James, and obviously you know there's no real threat. But that that was terrifying. Still, there you go. Did you never <laughs> speak of it again? <laughs> no. So yeah, that time I was on top of you for an extended period. Let's not. <laughs> Funnily enough, we're not in contact anymore. I wonder yeah, if that's weird. to do with oh, it. That's so weird. Oh. <laughs> it's it's interesting to me that when we talked about um, your biggest fear, because as a close friend of yours, I was your vicar, all of that being true. And for the entire time that we've known each other, like almost 20 years, I have actually had sort of um, what they call now brain fog because of like a mm. post-viral injury that I had that actually kind of cooked parts of my brain, which don't seem to allow me to make very much in terms of memory. And um, Mm. unfortunately, I also have like a a family history of uh, early onset dementia as well. Mm. And so you've been my friend for like almost 20 years as I've kind of lived with that understanding of my own kind of (laughs) mental deterioration. (laughs) I laugh because it's hilarious. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But how strange that that for you is your biggest fear. And you and I used to spend like, especially when we were working together, just like all Mm. of our time together. I think I'm, I'm less, it's less about losing memories, although that obviously wouldn't be pleasant. It's Mm. more 
about losing the ability to to you know to think because uh, to me that that's yeah. what my personality is you you know your personality yeah. in a monologue really and losing the ability to actually construct good thoughts or mm-hmm. make good decisions or oh it's difficult um, dream or I have ambitions like right. that that does scare me and yeah. and I you know to to the extent that you've been afflicted with that I, as you know I have tremendous sympathy for you because I think it's oh. you know grossly I think unfair. I do all right but I appreciate that. I mean, I've figured out how to live with it after, you know, this, this long and all of that. But I, I do find it right. interesting because, yeah, it's like, a, it's a very strange process. It's obviously 20 years on. I'm still like lucid and on live broadcast television. Keep employing me, everybody. You I'm are. fine. Yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing to see nothing. here. Yeah. But it is, it's interesting, know, isn't it's interesting, how, yeah. It's interesting how adaptable we are, though. And I oh, think totally. a, lot of, a lot of times our fears around, because people will often say what you're grateful for. They'll say their health and all mm-hmm. of this, which is definitely, you know, correct, because you you want to be healthy mentally and physically as much as possible. That's obviously your wish. Yeah. But it is amazing how adaptable humans are and how adaptable mm-hmm. we are to, to adversity. And so probably a oh, lot yeah. of these fears, unless they're terminal or like really, really chronic, are probably exaggerated in our heads in that when we actually... Oh, yeah get to them, we'll adapt and we'll still take the good in life. I think so. I think that's definitely what I've learned. I mean, I managed to somehow train my brain in terms of my short-term memory for learning these pieces to camera, like Mm. just like a computer. And then I dump it out of my head and I can't remember who won the World Series last year, but like, it's so strange. So you're right. We just Mm. kind of adapt and, and figure out how to live with it. And it's actually... It ain't so bad, is all I'm saying. Um, no, nothing so bad. It, yeah. Some of the greatest wisdom available to us is that things are not as good or as bad as they first seem. Mm, that's, I mean, that, yeah, it, very true. It's incredibly like simple, but also very profound <laughs> and true. Yeah. Huh. All right. In terms of profound, uh, when did you last cry, either in front of another person or by yourself? Um, I probably cry after this. Um, <laughs> when I, <laughs> no, uh, I actually don't. I'm trying to think. Um, I don't cry a lot uh, in, I don't cry a lot about life stuff. I could definitely make myself cry about life stuff if I wanted, but, mm-hmm. but it, I don't do it a lot. So I'm trying to think. I definitely cry at, um, uh, or I, I cry. I can, I can tear up at TV stuff and yeah. film stuff that's well done. Um, I, I'm going to fail you here. I think I'm trying to remember huh. the last time I cried, properly cried. Wow. Um, I think you probably choked up a bit at the wedding. Oh God. Yeah. No, I was, I mean I that was for sure. A mess. But that was a, you know, years ago. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I was, I was a mess then. <laughs> it was Definitely. really sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what about that? Do you know what? And I, and I feel like a complete, um, uh, fool for this but it took me by surprise because when um those people those that are married might be able to relate to this it, it's having a wedding is quite an odd thing because there's a lot of process and tasks involved and, mm-hmm. and by by tasks i mean things that my, my wife was doing um <laughs> while i watched um yeah but there's a lot going on. And then on the day, you're just sort of, because if you're the groom, you get there first. And so you're just sort of hanging out with people you like. Yeah. And I sort of forgot <laughs> what was going to happen. Oh, 
Does that make any sense? So it's Not just really. like uh, okay. <laughs> no, and, it, does, and then, it does. Yeah. And then and then she walked around the corner and it's just one of those times where you're kicked in the face by yeah. the both the enormity of it and also just how fit she was. Oh my gosh. Um, like and, she's beautiful, <laughs> but that day? Oh wow. And how much and and just I don't know how to say this without sounding whatever, just how much I like her. <laughs> and love love her, obviously. But you just get all of that in one hit. Yeah. And I was I was a I was not I'm like I was not able to keep it together in any way, shape or form. Yeah. It was a really so, good yeah. wedding. It was it was this really fun mix of like people trying to make other people laugh. And there were a lot of mm. very funny people <laughs> there. And some, yeah. you know, had to give speeches and they were hilarious. And then it was also they really- They were good speeches. Yeah, really good speeches. And also just really like meaningful and poignant and yeah, and fun. We just, it was a lot of fun. And that says a lot about good. the two of you and- Good, because yeah, who you are. I've been to I've been to some less fun weddings, and I don't approve of that <laughs> at all. How boring. <laughs> how boring. Um, here's a fun question: Do you have a secret hunch about how you'll die? You know, out of nowhere. Uh, I like this question because it's so odd. No, because I'm terrible at thinking about the future, but I'll mm. give it a go for you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my secret hunch is that I die alone. <gasps> Uh, by a pool in either Palm Springs or somewhere oh. equally seedy. Nice. Um, hopefully wearing a Caribbean shirt undone to the waist and, and a gold chain of some kind. With a drink in your hand, pink. With a drink in my hand, because obviously Mia's finally come to her senses <laughs> and I've I've regressed to feral 27-year-old gambler society dropout, Nick. Oh. And so like I've, you know, I've, I've gone full circle. Wow. I, I doubt it'll be that interesting or or, or that would be interesting though. Disappointing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's that's my secret hunch. I feel like it'd be nice to have like something about it that is so weird or disappointing that it kind of helps alleviate some of the sadness for people. I think that's really quite my, you know, generous. My my mother used to have this fear that she would be killed by a car. Oh. But that wasn't her fear. Her fear was that it would be a really crappy car, not befitting oh, of God. her. Of, <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> she was like, the worst thing, the worst way you could die is by being hit by a car, but it's a rubbish car, oh, like man. a really old banger or uh, beater. Yeah. <laughs> Embarrassing like, for everybody. What's it got to do with anything? <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, do, you, okay. what, do you have an answer to that? Have you answered that? Secret hunch about how I'm going to die. Yeah. I've never answered that one, I don't think. I mean, who can remember? Um, uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I've never really thought about it that much, especially since I had a kid. Cause then you're like, oh man, now I really, I have to be careful about things I wasn't careful about before I have to go and like have my heart mm. tested and make sure everything's good. Like, you know, it's so weird having a kid because now you kind of ha- can't just take the risk that, that you used to do because someone else actually right. depends on you. So it kind of it's focuses sort of, your mind a bit. Like, it's like an interesting thing to think about, but actually it's a total irrelevance, isn't it? Because you're dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it, as, as long as it's interesting, come on, you'd want it to be right, interesting. Yeah. I would as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Okay. Yeah. Um, what do you think is the greatest accomplishment in your life? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um 
not doing something completely moronic um, in a fit of peak mm. that's like really kind of, you know, destroyed my career or, right. or like, because I think deep down I've got a temper which never comes out. And I'm also, I'm also, uh, uh, headstrong. Yeah. And quite intolerant of, uh, having a boss, as you know. <laughs> yeah. And so I think, um, that's definitely one of my achievements is keeping my shit together for extended periods of time. Man, what? the self-awareness, that is a lot. That is a lot. Yeah, well, it's a good I, answer. I, I live with my inner monologue, wow. so I know what's going on. Um, so, yeah, that's that's definitely true. I've, I've definitely had to, you know, put structures in place and, and mm -hmm. so on to make sure I don't just lose it. Mm -hmm. um, greatest achievement in terms of a positive is, I don't know, um, <laughs> I think almost, well, um, almost certainly being able to do work that I enjoy for the last, enjoy within work. I, I think, look, I think we need a third word between okay. work and leisure mm. or recreation. There needs to be a third thing, which is work you're doing work. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You're doing work, but within the context of work, you enjoy it because mm. I, I get very, frustrated with this follow your passion nonsense like genuinely 100% genuinely my passion is to sit on the sofa and play playstation <laughs> I love doing that yeah there's some other things I love doing none of them I can get paid for yeah. currently so there needs to be like a you know I, I've been very very combination of luck and, and I guess application that I've been able to work in things that I get mm. reward from and that I don't get bored by and that um, that pay me and all of that good stuff. So, so that's yeah. my biggest achievement, I think. Yeah. Since, since I did five or six years of quiet desperation, of of that, you know, men live their lives in quiet desperation. Yeah. Five or six years in the corporate world, mm. out of university, um, hated it. And so, definitely, my biggest life achievement is um, is is being able to walk away from that and not go back. Yeah. It is incredible that, I mean, right now my job is to do a podcast. My interview is with you. We've just spent the last 45 minutes having a chat. Like that is an incredible achievement, I think, in my life. And especially yeah, when we kind of look back at our, our history, like it's a, it's a fairly long history now at this point. We've done so many <laughs> different things. We've been extremely lucky to have the opportunities that we had and we worked really hard in different places as well. But yeah. to be able to do that. Is definitely something you know, I'm grateful for. Yeah. You know how I said when you do things in public, a certain percentage of the audience hate you. This is the bit where that applies. Oh, I know. I could hear it coming out of my mouth as well. I was like, <laughs> we, God, insufferable. <laughs> Just a pain in the insufferable. ass. Insufferable. But no, I think, you know, yeah. in terms of gratitude and appreciation, that is to, like, you know, you, you have to be grateful for that. I, I, yeah. I, I experienced doing jobs that I hated and, and not having oh, to do same. that. Is, I was a teacher in London. So, yeah, that's rough. I mean, that's a hard I feel job. like I paid my dues. I that probably not, job. but yeah. Anyways, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you doing this with me. I know we didn't get to any it? of the questions. Yeah, unfortunately, 45 minutes. Bam. Okay. Well, I, Super I think um, I think we've all learned something. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, my, go away my and put hopes. it in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> but if, you, if you reach the end, if you reach the end, you can put that on your greatest accomplishments yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs>
man. I really no, it was a pleasure. It. Thanks for having me. And oh. and I'm excited that I was the first either <laughs> poker commentator or broadcaster you've had on. <clears throat> that's <clears throat> a, that's a particular honor. So thank mm, you. Mm, yeah, yes, totally true. <laughs> Please don't tell <laughs> David Tuckman that I had you on first. I uh, I don't know. I don't oh, know what yeah. we're gonna do. Yeah. He, he just yeah, must ne- right. never know this. Just, he'll, he'll never know. He he'll never notice. know. He doesn't he'll listen to the notice. podcast. Yeah. Um, Anyways. Anyways. So that uh, was our last question. I am very grateful to you for coming on and opening up and kind thank of. Thank you. Yeah. Dealing with all the weirdness of my particular list of questions, which I absolutely love. Um, <laughs> they're great because they're yeah. things you don't get asked. So they're fun. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, I've had a lot of people tell me it's kind of like therapy <laughs> and I enjoy that. <laughs> it's like, I really yeah. get to understand people a lot better. So, and I think everybody listening as well, um, they get to understand people too. So thank you all for listening. I hope you feel like, you know, the person behind the cards even better now and enjoy this just as much as I did. And join me next time on the heart of poker sponsored by 888 poker. 